This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, it's Robbie and welcome along to a very special edition of the Offscript Extra Time podcast where we're going to focus on all things Fantasy Premier League for the next 20 minutes or so. The new season is nearly upon us. I'm sure you're all building your team templates and getting things all in order for the new season. Please do join our league, the Offscript Extra Time League, with the league code DPW66Y. And for this preview, I've managed to recruit an absolute expert when it comes to fantasy football. His name is Big Man Backer. You can follow him on Twitter where he's got over 100,000 dedicated followers. You can follow him on Instagram on the same handle as well. He runs a YouTube channel, FPL Wire, and he also writes for the Fantasy Football Hub as well. He's a columnist. He's an expert. He is a man who knows his fantasy football do's and don'ts. And let's get his thoughts on building the perfect template team for a new season. We'll get straight into it. Myself and Chris are also playing fantasy football just not to a level of big man backer the offscript podcast let's start things off with getting back our thoughts on an overall strategy and an approach to building a good team for game week one there are a couple of things which i think uh, have changed firstly i don't tend to spend too much on goalkeepers but this year uh, the pricing that fpl have done is They've basically given the premium goalkeepers a very good price, which makes you second think whether or not to spend the extra. And I do think, for example, the 5 million keepers are worth the upgrade over the 4.5 million goalkeepers, such as the Gulf in, in quality, which hasn't been the case in, in previous years. And the second thing is that I think big at the back is probably the way to go. Um, spending a lot of budget in defense is, is the way I look at it because, you know, you, know, you look at the, the likes of James, Robertson, Trent, Cancelo, Perisic. I mean, these are wingbacks who are going to get lots of points. I know they come at a premium, but they're probably worth it. So traditionally, when you play, the, the traditional way of playing is to probably pick a 3-4-3. But in recent times, I believe the game has changed and now more money should be spent in defense. Yeah, my old strategy was always the old 3-4-3. Front yeah. load it and, so and you know, just try and use as few defenders as possible. But he's changing the way I'm viewing it for sure. He was very persuasive with the, the particular appeal of the likes of, of course, the two big Liverpool defenders, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But with premium goalkeepers now, now in his thoughts, Chris, which pairing is he plumping for between the sticks? I've got Ramsdale in goal as my first choice uh, goalkeeper. I, I really think that Arsenal will start the season very strongly. I've monitored them very closely in preseason and they've looked very solid. Saliba has come in, who's, who's a big upgrade, and I think he's going to be a great uh, player for Arsenal this season. And I don't think they will concede too many goals in their opening eight fixtures. When you look at their opening eight fixtures, they're only playing Man United from last season's top six. Other than that, all the other fixtures are, are very favorable on paper and Arsenal look very solid in defense. As I said, I mean, Mendy is a decent option, but I, I just think with Ramsdale, you get that extra save potential. And Chelsea, like you said, haven't really looked that solid. So I have James in my draft as well, and I feel very reluctant to double up at this point in time. As far as the second goalkeeper is concerned, I um, I have Danny Ward uh, from Leicester. He's four million, and now that is something you can't really ignore because uh, at four million you don't expect a keeper to start. But rumors are that uh, Casper Schmeichel is is leaving for uh, Nice. So if that is the case, Brendan Rodgers has uh, been very complimentary of Danny Ward, and he said that he can fill Casper Schmeichel's shoes as the number one. So I, I don't really see a reason to spend more than. Uh, you know, nine million on on my keepers when I have that good a pairing. 
Thoughts there, Chris? Yeah, I'm loving it. Got niche there. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You have to look at the fixtures. You have to look at little tranches of fixtures. Yeah. And that's what he's done in Ramsdale. It's interesting. I will tell you, I've got one of those two. Okay. That's all I'll say. All right. I don't want to okay. reveal okay, fair too enough. much. I've fair got enough. one of those two. Okay, so the message is to load up on attacking defenders. How far is Bakar prepared to take this gambit? Yes, I'd, I'd in fact go and uh, go as far as saying that not only those four, you can even go with Robertson at the back and, and, and still have a very decent team to begin with. Because that's the way I look at it. When, when you look at the wing backs, you know, all it takes for them is to get a clean sheet and, and an assist or a goal, and they're going to get a double digit haul. And when you compare that with the striker, a striker essentially has to get a brace or has to get like three attacking returns to get as many points. So I think the odds are in the favor of the defender, especially when you look at the fixtures that the top sides have. You look at Liverpool and, and, and City and even Spurs in particular. They have ex- exceptional fixtures to begin with. And, and when the fixtures are in their favor, uh, the fullbacks are likely to get you know clean sheet points and attacking returns. So I do think the odds are in their favor. This is one of the very rare uh, occasions, where one of the very rare seasons where I haven't been tempted by a four million defender at all to begin with, even though we have, you know, there's Patterson from Everton, there's Neko Williams from, from Nottingham Forest. As you mentioned, there's players from Newcastle. Um, Diego Dallo is 4.5 million. But I don't think I've uh, I've even been remotely tempted to to go with uh, cheap options at the back because I, I just think uh, when you compare, for example, Robertson, Cancelo or, or one of the wing backs to, let's say, a 7 million midfielder, I just think the the defenders are much more likely to score a higher number of points. So that's one of the reasons why I'm not looking for bargains in that bracket. The thoughts there on the premium defenders. And actually, I'm being pulled up for my pronunciation. Thank you. This, I think, from Fad. It's Bakker, not Bakar. I do apologise, Bakker. Okay. So, tell you what, I want Bakker to be when you best don't, don't worry, we're going to get him on the show plenty of times across the season. I've already roped him in. Sounds like a right lovely he, lad. He is a lovely lad and uh, and he really has done a power I mean, of research. My fantasy's done now. I'm listening to him. I'm literally <laughs> scribbling. To be fair, in all seriousness though, my team is reflecting a lot yeah, of Yeah, well, there you saying. go. There you have it. So we'll move on to midfielders. And I did mention, Chris, your reluctance to backer that you, you don't usually like selecting Salah. I just uh, don't like selecting blooming Liverpool players. That's uh, <laughs> what it is. That's then, why I'm terrible you know, He picked up on that because I also told him you were a Manchester United <laughs> fan and he instantly knew that that was the reason behind it. But... There's only one name up for debate first in midfield. It is the man who returned a whopping 265 points last campaign. He's currently in 59.7% of all squads. He's also the favourite for the armband in game week one as Liverpool go away to Fulham. The question is, and I put this to backer, is Mo Salah essential? I think he's a (laughs) no-brainer, if I'm being very honest. Uh, Simply because he's going to be the captain in, in, in most of the opening fixtures. You look at his fixtures, Fulham, Crystal Palace, United, even United is a decent fixture for him because he absolutely destroyed them last year. Then Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton. That's the first six. So I I mean, I think you can captain him in each of those six fixtures, if I'm being very honest. So when when someone has that potential and there, you know, there's no doubting Salah, he's he's FPL royalty. So so for me there's no point uh, making squads with without him because there's a very good chance uh, you'll panic one hour before the deadline and, and see no Mo Salah in your squad and you'll have to rejig it at the very last moment. So it's better that you plan with him right now than, than go without. He tends to start uh, the first week very very well. He's actually scored in each of his five 
previous opening day fixture. So that's why I think he's the captain to, to opt for in game week one as well. Oh, he's gone captain away to five. Oh, right. Yeah, well, he also, he got um, a goal and an assist last year and then he scored a hat-trick against Leeds the season before that mm. in the opening fixture of the season. Now, if Mo Salah had a memorable 21-22 campaign, so too did Tottenham's main man, Heung-Min Son. In fact, his score of 258 points was only seven behind the Egyptian. Therefore, I had to ask... With budgets now running a little bit thin with all those premium defenders and Mo Salah as your go-to man in midfield, to Sun or not to Sun? Uh, he isn't in my team as of now because I don't think I can afford him. The way I look at it, I think owning two premiums is the way to go. I'm absolutely set on Salah for the reasons I've mentioned earlier. When it comes to Sun, yes, he's a very good pick as well. But I, I just think I want a premium forward in my in my structure. And I do think that I need a City attacker, which is why I haven't really opted for Sun or, or Kane in, in my team. And that gives you some clue as to what Backer's thoughts are when it comes to building an attack around a focal point. Now let's move on to the signing of the summer, Chris. Man City's new striker, Erling Haaland. You don't need me to tell you that oh. Haaland scored 62 goals yes. in 67 appearances no, for Dortmund, not. 16 and 17 for Red Bull Salzburg, and he's only just the tender wee age of 22. But he didn't have the best game in the Community Shield, and it seems no one is above occasional rotation at Man City. So I put the question to Backer if he believes Haaland is a nailed-on starter for Pep's men. I think he is, and I, I think the, the Shield was, was a bit of a litmus test uh, with regards to his fitness. I know he missed a lot of chances, and he looked rather uh, poor in front of goal. But to be very honest, what mattered to me was the number of chances he was getting and the fact that he played 90 minutes. And now if he's playing 90 minutes and there's a week of rest uh, that, that City have this week and then even before the Champions League, I mean, each week before the Champions League, City have a week's rest. And I think that's that should be good for Haaland to build on his fitness. And as you said, City just create a silly amount of chances. And when you look at their fixtures, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see, to see them score like three or four in each one of them after game week two in particular. And I want a City captain in game week two when they play at home to Bournemouth because Bournemouth themselves are uh, short of numbers at the back. And I really think that could be a cricket score. Yeah, City welcoming Bournemouth to the Etihad. I mean, Haaland will be a popular skipper that week, oh, no doubt about it, particularly if he does well in game week one. The other tremendously popular pickup front is a man who swapped City for Arsenal and has been in sparkling form in pre-season for the Gunners. Is he a player fantasy manage managers should be thinking about making room for? I'm talking, of course, about Gabriel Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, he scored seven goals in pre-season, which is the highest among all players in the league. So I don't see a reason not to pick him in the first place. I think it just makes far too much sense to pick him. Uh, in fact, he's owned by 72% of, of players at the, the time of uh, recording. So, I mean, I, I think uh, that, that explains it. He's, I just think he's a big, big upgrade on, on Lacazette. And with Arsenal's opening fixtures, I expect him to do really well. And when you look at his price of $8 million, it's almost as if you're getting a premium striker uh, from a top six side. Uh, at that price and it just looks like a bit of a bargain obviously that will leave you needing to to kind of plug the gaps with some some budget options and, and there are plenty of them back uh, who are we looking at you know primarily from a from an affordability standpoint presuming that with Salah and Haaland and Jesus 
the rest of your midfield and your third striker will, will be more budget options. Yes, and I, I think there are more value picks in midfield than, than in attack. So, I mean, I think you can afford to have a 4.5 million striker on your bench. There's Greenwood, there's Archer, um, who are who are basically going to get some game time off the bench in, in their respective teams. And I think in case of unexpected injury, they can do well. However, the real value picks are, are in midfield, and that's, that's where you should nail those picks so that you can afford that pick at the back team. And you know, just to quote a few examples, there's Gabriel Martinelli from, from Arsenal. And Arsenal, as I've said earlier, have been very good in preseason. He got three assists against Sevilla. Smithrow hasn't featured more, uh, more importantly in preseason. He's just played like 45 minutes. So Martinelli's spot is more or less secure. It's his spot to lose. Then there's um, Leon Bailey from Villa. Now, his, his stay at Villa has been crippled with injuries. And last season, he wasn't really the same player that we've seen him. Uh, in, in the Bundesliga. And at 5 million, I think he could do really well. He's had five attacking returns in preseason as well and has come back a different player. Will I have decent fixtures as well? And uh, there's another one who's Pedro Neto. He's very popular. I think he's owned by 20% uh, managers at the moment. And uh, he's playing on the left-hand side. Uh, and Wolves have decent attacking fixtures to begin with as well. So these are just just a few options and I have in my hand, uh, in my mind to make me you know afford uh, a very strong spot listen Barker is the genius when it comes to fancy I am not however what I do know is, is football at least I think I do they both I'm nervous with Neto and Leon Bailey and yeah, Neto's in my team Raul Jimenez is injured. Wolves don't have a recognised striker. Neto, when he before his bad knee injury, he had a serious knee injury which curtailed the season. He's a player. He's yeah. like he's a real attacking thrust comes from him for Wolves, but they're lacking a striker. That that panics me a they little. They don't score a ton of goals, Wolves. That's it. So, and Leon Bailey, yes, three goals, two assists in pre-season, but again, he's got a bit of an embarrassment of riches to Steven Gerrard. He's got Buendia, Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings, Philip Coutinho. There's no way Leon Bailey is a stick on. Yeah, to I think start. Backer's just making the argument that if you're going to spend five million on a midfielder, he could be like a sleeper hit. There's a sleeper um, hit that I will not. Okay, all right. Tell I, you. I did. I wanted. To, I was keen to get Backer's thoughts on Newcastle, given their strong finish to last season. What about the midfielder Bruno Gimares, who enjoyed a strong finish to last campaign as an alternative to perhaps Gabriel Martinelli? Uh, he's a decent option, but uh, and I do think our Newcastle will have a very good season. But uh, at this point, I prefer Martinelli simply because of the fixtures. When you look at Newcastle's fixtures, they're playing City and Liverpool in game week three and five, and that is something I don't like. And even in game week two, they're Brighton away, game week four, they're Wolves away. So, I mean, those fixtures don't exactly scream goals to me on paper. I just think Martinelli's upside is is bigger. So back has taken a wait and see approach with Newcastle until their fixtures soften a little bit. Promoted clubs always, Chris, offer value for shrewd tactical managers to hit the ground running. What is Backer planning on plundering from the likes of Fulham, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth? Yeah, so I think uh, you can afford to wait and watch with uh, with most of the, with in fact, all of the promoted teams because their fixture schedule uh, for each one of them isn't easy. It's very tough. So. Um, it's it's actually it could be a blessing in disguise that we don't really have to go for an option which which is unproven in the Premier League, but if you if you ask me uh, about uh, options on the bench, then there's Andres Pereira from Fulham. I think he's a very good option to have on the bench. He's uh, I, in my opinion he's a standout 4.5 million uh, uh, midfielder to go for. He's he's playing as as a number 10 behind Mitrovic and he he's on set pieces as well. He got a couple of assists in preseason too. From Forest there's uh, uh, Nico Williams who's playing as a right wing back and and I think he could uh, have a 
decent season as well. So if you're looking for four at the back formation or three at the back formation, Neko Williams is a very good filler at four million. No one really stands out to me from Bournemouth. I think Solanke is a decent option, but at this point in time, I'd rather not go for any one of them because their fixtures are, are very tough to begin with. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah, with the strength of options in defence, most managers will be building their teams around five at the back, maybe, or a minimum of four at the back. Then two premium attackers in backers' case, Salah and Erling Haaland. That's to cover the Liverpool and City attack, although you could easily make strong arguments for Kevin De Bruyne, Heung-Min Son, Harry Kane, even Darwin Nunes, depending on how he starts the season. Luis Diaz is another popular pick in midfield. And then Gabriel Jesus, Arsenal's new signing, appears nailed on for most. Presumably, if Haaland doesn't hit the ground running, I said to backer, Harry Kane is waiting in the wings to slot in as his replacement. Exactly. I think that's that's a very easy transfer. And, you know, the, the thing about the structure is that it allows for one of uh, Haaland or Kane. So you've got to make that choice. Any other names that, that worry you, Bakar, in terms of, you know, I think Ronaldo, uh, uh, you know, is, is certainly one to, to avoid like the plague. In fact, I've noticed that no United players make it into your template squad. And, and um, you know, that project under Eric Ten Hag is certainly an interesting one. Uh, and we've seen uh, perhaps a little bit of you know light at the end of the tunnel for United. Anthony Martial had a decent preseason. Uh, we're expecting, I think, Jaden Sancho to perhaps do better than he did last season. But are United still um, a little bit of a risky prospect for you? Slightly, slightly, because obviously there's they have a lot to prove. But but then again, I I, I just think with with Ronaldo uh, around, Martial is is too risky of a pick, and I think I'd rather wait with Rashford and Sancho because you know United have Liverpool in game week three, and their fixtures are mixed. So with the new manager coming in, I I want a bit more clarity on who the best options are, and at this point in time, it's it's not very easy to figure out. In in uh, past seasons, Bakar, have you been a man that pulls the the wild card trigger early, or um, or are you are you someone that will stave it off for as long as possible? Because I, I've definitely been guilty of it. I've gotten my I've gotten my opening team completely wrong, and three or four game weeks in, I find myself contemplating a wild card already. I mean, yes. I, I would assume that's a last resort for a top manager. You know, historically, I've I've been guilty of that as well. I don't necessarily mind it because if you play it early on, you get the hot players in town. You can you can get a lot of price rises that way. But this season, I don't think that will be the case because most of the selections in the template are players on the top sides, and they're reliable picks. They've done it in the past. I don't think there there are too many risky players in the template, anyways. So, I think I will try holding the wild card until uh, in, until at least game week 8 which is the international break and and then we can probably proceed from there because it's important to mention that um, that uh, due to the world cup there's technically another wild card in play as well because FPL are allowing us to have free transfers after the world cup so I mean, if if my squad asks for the wildcard to be played early, I won't be hesitant to do it. Massive thanks once again to Bigman Backer. Not the last time we're going to hear from him. I'm sure come the end of that window into the World Cup, we'll get a maybe a halfway through point season recap from him. But you can remind her to follow his pod, FPL Wire on YouTube, and he's on Insta and Twitter at Bigman Backer. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 